I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. <laughs> Hello all, how are you? And welcome to episode 148 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Firstly, as ever, a big thank you to all our Patreon supporters, without whom we would not be able to produce this podcast. And although this content is free for everyone, if you think you'd like to donate from as little as £3 a week, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll see a Linktree drop-down box, follow the link to Patreon, and for the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can help this podcast keep producing good content. Well, this episode, like that a few weeks ago, is focusing on Thorpe Stavery's factory project over in Silvertown that ends at the end of this week, on the 22nd of October. So for this episode, back-to-back, I'll be speaking to three more of the curators. That is Rosalind Davis whom I'll also be in conversation with on the 21st, which I mentioned on the previous episode. Contact myself or Rosalind Davis if you'd like tickets. Then after Rosalind, you'll hear from Fiona and Anna from the Recreational Grounds, followed by Peishan. As I mentioned previously, the Ministry of Arts are showing with Gallery Number 32. You'll be aware that we've not spoke to Meg or Kieran in this series. That's because we've already got a full episode lined up. But as far as the factory project's concerned, 
As soon as you come down from the first project space into the yard, you're confronted with project number 32's installation between frames, where a number of artists have reacted to a given concept, all using a door as their canvas. Part of that brief was as follows. Between frames encapsulates the in-between moment. It is a liminal space, a passing place, where everyone exists in movement, not interacting, existing in an individual being, but in the same situation as others. The artists were given a door, or multiple doors, to adorn, morph and alter, constructing an entry to their space, their world. Creating the door is an entrance into their frame. Each work will stand solo, uncanny and monolithic, offering its own route. Viewers can freely move between, choosing which route to take and what world to enter. Today we are faced with choices that are altered. Everything feels skewed. The usual routes are blocked, coded, embellished or diminished. And as we coexist, passing others every second, we are looking to cross the liminal veil and pass between frames and enter another world. Ministry of Arts co-curator Lee Ainsworth took the lead in this project, which we called Lost Connections. It's a double-sided artwork. To coincide with a brief, we decided we wanted two doors, but one inside the other. We wanted to somehow combine time and direction. So we started with a framed fire door. And as you may be aware, fire doors are generally used in a panic. And in a panic, you open that door and run straight forward. But within that door, we wanted to place another, an aged garden gate. That has connotations of a more relaxed mode. And on the back of this door is a direct response to the concept in the form of a poem created by Lee. And it reads as follows. Do we turn left, maybe choose right, pause momentarily or march on with the goal in sight? And as you move round to the front, we concentrate on the age difference of the two doors and the stereotypical little bit of graffiti, so and so was here. So with that in mind and their solemn appearance, we put text on top of one of the doors, which stated, I want you to hear me, I'm sure you can see me. And at the bottom of the aged inner door, we wrote, was here. At the bottom of the other door, we wrote, is here. And with the 20 or so coloured marker pens attached, we invited the viewer to sign the outer door of those that is here and leave a message on the inner for those that was here. And as all artworks, once they're placed in the public realm, they change, morph and sort of take on a life of their own. And to see what sort of life our lost connections has taken, I'm afraid you'll have to go down to the factory project, which closes this Friday. And you're about to hear from three of the curators, Rosalind Davis, Recreational Grounds and Pei Shan. Right, Rosalind, so let's let's talk about you then, shall we, for, for this I'm episode. Talking about you, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, for the factory project, you're yes. one of the curators. Could you tell us a little bit about Rosalind Davis before you tell us about the people you're curating? <laughs> so I'm Rosalind Davis. I'm an artist. I'm a curator. Um, I graduated from the RCA in 2005 and before that Chelsea College of Arts. And I started curating when I set up an artist-run organisation. Um, which was originally in our studio complex in Deptford, and we it was called Core Gallery. Not my choice of names, but um, basically um, managed and then started kind of curating 
uh, open calls and um, studio members organize like exhibitions as well as invited kind of calls with I'd bring in um, artist curators so that they could use this space as a testing yeah. ground in a way to develop their practice and I kind of started to get things like artist talks and yeah did a lot in two years it was completely voluntary um and then we set up Annabelle Tilly Elizabeth Merton and I set up DIY Educate and that kind of was an artist education program that we kind of put within the gallery program and when we lost our building, it was kind of a good opportunity to go into another space. This may be too long, but um, ASC um, had this huge, in New Crossgate in London, had this huge kind of communal space within a studio building. Yeah. And they said, we'd all been made homeless, basically, from our studios, studioless. <laughs> and they said, uh, do you want to have this space? Like, and we had a meeting with them. So I took as many of the artists that wanted to come into the new space, into that space, and we convinced them to maintain a gallery kind of space. I mean, it was, you know, it's in a concrete building. The gallery was, you know, not front facing or anything kind of sexy or cool or whatever, um, but it was a space. And so we were able to continue to kind of program under Zeitgeist Arts Projects you know, curatorial program, yeah. art education program, tutorials, art tours, everything like that with um, Annabelle Tilly. Elizabeth went off and did other things. Um, and that I attended one of those myself. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> I'm so obviously it was a long time ago. Everything. I, I, it's a, the, the terrible thing is like, you need to keep reminding people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry for interrupting, go on. No, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, that was a really long story. I'm usually much more succinct. That, that's um, quite all right. But anyway, it, it, it led on to sort of becoming a curator, working for Collie Bristol Gallery, writing what they didn't teach you in art school, um, was something that came uh, our way towards the end of running a Zeitgeist Arts Projects. And I teach a lot, I mentor a lot, I'm also a designer, I work for Daisy Green Collection are working on their garden design, which happens when Collie Bristow Gallery closed the opportunity to work on a huge sort of sort of garden design, yeah. which I see as an extension of my painting work. And that's, yeah, that's quite epic. And then gone on to do other things with them. So that's kind of now my, some of my paid work too. Sometimes I sell paintings, sometimes I don't. Um, but yeah, it's all just part of my practice. And I think what the important thing is to say is that when I speak to people about it, is that being an artist isn't just about, as you know, like literally sitting in a painting, like yeah. painting in the studio. It's about your wider, like this conversation is me being an artist. It's like these conversations. It's about how you maybe like, for your home, how you create a network, do a podcast, you know, do a talk. And it kind of, it's about this fulfillment and nourishment and about creative conversations that are really pertinent, but also stimulating. Like, I, I wouldn't want to be anything else, you know? No, definitely. I mean, the artist's hat, um, there isn't just one of those hats. You've got a, an entire hat rack, haven't you? Of um, yes. things, things that you can do. and. And part that, that is part of that process. 
and all the people in my show uh, at the factory, I had a long list to think about um, in terms of space, but you know, it was like between eight to 10 artists per curated section. And I had, and then I also thought about the people that are, I mean, there's lots more people I could have chosen, obviously, um, but I, I narrowed it down to this idea of what the work would look like in the space, also um, how present people, people would be, how engaged they would be. Um, but yeah, it's all, for, for my space, it's generally site-specific sculptural installations and a lot of people are making things there, including myself, but also people that make me laugh. You know, I think uh, that we'll have a laugh on the day, uh, on the week, on the whole week that we're installed. <laughs> <laughs> and all the uh, other days that we're gonna be there, which is great. And that's the kind of like, and after so long, why wouldn't you wanna be there? And I just wanna be nourished you know, and because of the nature of the so many hats, as you say, is that I'm kind of reserved three weeks in my life to this exhibition where I'm going to be there quite a lot, be very present, do talks and, and um, be really engaged and like basically yum up all the things that I've missed for the last two years. Yeah, well, it, it does feel to me going through, like looking at artists' work on Instagram and and on the internet, it, do, it does feel like people are trying to add a little bit more sort of colour and laughter and happiness into their work after the god awful 18 months that we've just had. And looking at the work that's going into the factory, you can you can properly see that as well. You know, it's, it's, it, it does seem to be um, coming up to the surface. Yeah, well, I think with my exhibition at the factory, which is titled Trace Elements, 1971. So um, the, the idea with um, the, the factory, I'm not just putting artists that I like and know in it. I'm thinking about the context of the space and the building and the history of the building. So everyone is making, as I say, site specific installations, but um, it's all about transformation experience, but also the idea that you can't let go of the past in terms of it's always embedded within part of a building. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of a lot of different ideas that are going on, but um, so Silvertown, where we're gonna be having an exhibition was created in 1878 in the Victorian era. And it, but it's also the industrial era. And then the day that one of the, the first day that we went on a site specific visit, Justin Hibbs, my partner, he, who's also in the show, um, he had this t-shirt called 1971. We went to have like lunch after with some of the artists and we were like, maybe we should call it 1971 as a sort of joke because you know, it just seemed kind of ambiguous. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then um, I started looking up because that's the nature of what I do is I start researching the history of the building, Tate Mall, 1878, 1971, what happened in that year? And it was a year that basically people had home computers. That was the first time of microprocessors. So um, that kind of collision between the industrial era and then the digital era, era sorry. And, um, but also it's the year that um, Disneyland um, opened. Oh, wow. And so in 1971, the digital era and, and one like basically Disneyland and then showing kind of thinking about in the context of a building that was 
created in 1878 was an interesting collision in my mind of like how do those things fit and they fitted within the artist's work because there's a lot of kind of theatricality there's a lot of um magical experience there's a lot of um sort of illusion and materiality and so obviously with Disneyland and Dis Disney you know this kind of idea when it first started was everyone was drawing these like hands hand-drawn drawings that are animated we can now all do that on our phone yeah and 1971 isn't that long ago but it's sort of ancient at the same time yeah. so you've got your first computer that is redundant um so I kind of am interested in this sort of collision of these different times and histories and so on and also what other people are making within their work so that's I don't know if that even makes sense I'm saying it out loud for the first time so this is a bit <laughs> <laughs> well I've followed it entirely so it must be okay and where are you within the factory because obviously no one's no one will be aware yet but there's three or four main areas and yeah so I'm next to Thorpe Stavry so we requested um we're at the back of one of the warehouses where there's a stairwell yeah so Sasha Bowles is making work specifically around the stairwell. So nice. that's an, a, a site specific. But we also want people to come up on the stairs to have an aerial view. And Andrew V. Wright is going to be doing a lake text cast from one of the windows above the stairs. So it's going to be really special, I think. Um, I think it's, oh yeah, the other thing as well is that my, um, my grandfather worked at Technol and my mother's first job was at Technol. Brilliant. And my uncle apparently used to go kart around Technol. Excellent. I was speaking to a friend of mine and her dad worked at Technol. And yeah, so all these kind of stories that, that that's what I mean about trace elements. It's like, you know, Andrew V. Wright is basically taking a trace of the elements with her latex, but it's also about that, you know, when you see the space, it's beautiful, you know, and you I think what we, me and the artists really want to do is embrace that space as a, as a playground, you know, and, but not ignore its beauty. And how many artists have you got in Trace Elements 71? Um, the 1971, um, we've got nine, including myself. So yeah, and everyone was sort of tasked to say like up to 10. In amongst that, there's a painter who's kind of making an installation, Fabio Almeida. Like she is making some sort of epic sculpture that she's had been working on in a studio for about three years. Brilliant. So yeah, that's going to be my first day of installs with her and her, her partner. Well, that's the good thing about this project. There's definitely no shortage on space, is there? Not at all. <laughs> I mean... She was like, I think my sculpture's quite big. It's like three metres wide. I was like, I think we'll be fine. Today I'm speaking to Fiona and Anna from Recreational Grounds. Hiya. Hi, Gary. Hi. How are you? Um, could we start by just telling us a little bit about Recreational Grounds? Yeah, definitely. So... The project was initiated by myself and artist Tim Ralston, and we were working in a disused car park in Elephant and Castle on the Aylesbury estate. And over the course of that, we had six exhibitions and we've now become slightly more of an itinerant project space where we essentially work across different sites. Yeah. And Anna um, was one of the first artists who was involved in the exhibition programme. And as we've kind of changed and our careers have grown, we ended up inviting
inviting Anna to join the curatorial team to Excellent. help out and give a bit of a, a support and you know bring some new ideas to the project too. And when was that Anna that you joined? Well, it's, I joined the previous exhibition that we had in Thamesite Studio, so it's been a few months now. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and are you settling in okay? Fantastic. It's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, it was just in time to um, come on to the exhibition that we're talking about today, being Thorpe Stabry's factory project in Silvertown, E16. Could you tell us a bit about what you're showing there and who you're showing? Yeah, do you want to uh, go ahead, Anna, and explain the project a little bit? Yeah, of course. So we um, we invited 10 artists, including ourselves, to take part for this exhibition. We tried to keep the same ethos and um, idea of the of what we have been doing so far. All the artists, they're free to respond to the space, and we have been a few times see the space with the artists, and that's been a really nice experience. Um, um, so we've got Will Crookshank, um, Susan Jacob, Juliet Mayo Pertoli, Tim Rostow, um, Fiona Grady, me. Um, actually, I would like to say here that we've got three collaborations in the show. I think this is part of uh, recreational accounts uh, ideas that we can kind of stretch our ideas and uh, get some more out of out of it. And we thought, okay, that's a great opportunity to collaborate with someone and create some new work for the shows yeah absolutely I think also with it being such a big space then it was a nice challenge for us because we just thought well actually if we collaborate with people we can both put a little bit more money in and do something quite impressive yeah. and um with Amber and Ralph they've collaborate um as a pair quite often anyway so it's nice to give them a platform to show something that they've been working on for a couple of years too and mm. normally um, when you're working within a group um, you try not to go too large because you don't want to step on the toes of the person's left or right of you. But um, for the factory project that is absolutely enormous and there's space all around, you can afford to, to be quite bold with the size of your artworks as well, can't you? Yeah, you almost have to be, don't you? Yeah. Because Anna was um, in the studio um, today and she's having technical problems because she's made her work so big she can't fit it in a van now. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Absolutely perfect. Do you know where you are on site? Yes. Yes, yeah. we have been there and we saw the, the space. And um, yes, some, some of us know exactly where we've got the space to build our work as well. So it's like me and Fiona as well, we do site-specific um, projects. So I think we, it's good to know the exact location. And for anyone looking to find the work of Recreational Grounds, where would they, where would they go? Because there is several um, sites within the site, isn't there? Yes, yeah, so we're in the main factory where um, the most of the installations and exhibitions will be, and where when you walk straight in, the main shutter will be on the left-hand side. So oh, yeah. you won't be able you won't be able not to see us. Hopefully, we're Excellent. kind of making sure we've got quite you know bold and interesting work. So we hope it will catch everybody's eyes. And are you all together? Yes, yeah. Excellent. And is there a title to the recreational grounds group or theme or not? Well, we always do recreational grounds with the sort of subheading. So for this one, it's just the factory project. Nice. We tend to be quite sort of literal. We have a bit of a kind of, we don't over curate. We like the work to sort of speak for itself. So yeah. in, in a way, we don't tend to have, the, the theme is making site responsive work and the how the 
building informs it so we kind of were quite straightforward with our titles too are you able to give um any insight into any of the works that are going into your show yeah we can give a few teasers can't we so um yeah. i'm working with charlie peters who's another artist friend and we did a collaboration with some prints and we decided to scale it up and we're taking elements of both of our practice including kind of color palettes and some of the themes and motifs in our work and we're going to be making um, large-scale window installation which is a little bit different nice. Sort of it's within kind of what I'd normally do, but then also a little bit different in the way that we're going to be presenting it. So that's a bit of a surprise. Um, and then Anna's doing, well, you can tell a bit about your collaboration too. Yeah, um, so me and Ben, uh, we're making an, an a painting installation. We're both working at the main medium of our work is painting. And we've got similar um, landscape is something that we've been kind of both working separately in our practice so we thought to uh, make this a painting installation um exploring the idea of rep the representation of a space in painting um um by using the space um so it's giving the idea to the, to the viewer to have to walk around and see the paintings in different um angles and also um overlapping the, the two paintings and um yeah so we're gonna use a metal frame to a structure to hang some paintings and then nice. on the on the back on the wall oh good and is that something that you would normally do in your practice either of you yes uh, so i used to do lots of painting installation ben is painting um mostly in in on, on canvas and and linen so I most of the time do something that respond to a painting and something in front and how they've got dialogue between them. And so we try to do that to together as a collaborator. So, yeah, it will be interesting seeing the space, I will say. <laughs> yeah, good. It's going to be the same for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, we sort of, because it's such a large space, we wanted to kind of work with the height as well. So some of the collaborations will be Amber and Ralph, they're going to use the metal framework for the building. And then Juliet's going to be having these really large hanging pieces, which, you know, it's a bit of a challenge for her because they're the largest pieces she'll have ever, or the longest pieces she'll have ever made. Yeah. And then Susan Jacobs is working along the floor. So there's kind of mm. all these things that can be hopefully visual feasts at different kind of heights and draw you around the space too so as Anna was saying with her work does the same to be quite sort of immersive excellent um, fun I'm looking forward to seeing everything and there's as we say there's eight or ten curatorial teams something like that I think it's around 10 but it's nice because um everyone's coming from sort of slightly different backgrounds and some of the curators are very new to it and other ones have, you know we, we're probably like a bit in the middle that we've been doing it for about three or four years now but there's other people you know who you know it's their sort of full-time professional practice so it's yeah. really exciting to have the show that really kind of showcases what's going on around London and slightly further afield and I like the idea that there's no walls inside what would be our gallery, you know. So as soon as you walk in, it, it isn't going to have the same feel as a standard gallery. It's going to be one curatorial team flowing into the next. It's, yeah, it really is quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It'd be really interesting to see how people's identities are defined, you know, by the artists that they're working with. And 
whether we will have these like little stamps you know kind of it, by comparing yourself and showing alongside other people it sometimes heightens what you're doing doesn't yeah, it yeah definitely so we're really excited to work with all the artists so you know thanks to them for being part of the show and also to nick and eric and project for putting together this exhibition because it's just really exciting to do something during freeze week that's a little bit different and ironically, most most artists are left out in the cold during freeze week, aren't they? You know, that sort of dominates the art world for a couple of weeks. And it's nice for um, a, another group to be waving their flag, isn't it? You know, definitely. Brilliant. So, Fiona, Anna, thank you very much for your time. And thank I look you. forward to seeing you at the show. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, Gary. See you Bye. later. Bye bye. I'm now speaking to Pashan. Hiya, Pashan. First of all, could you tell us a little something about Pashan? Um, yeah, so I am a curator and I've been practicing uh, like curation for about two and a half years now. Um, I used to be a filmmaker, so I studied art um, and moving image uh, for my degree in Brighton, made a few films, did a few shows and decided kind of I was more interested in, in the business side of stuff and like the curatorial like, aspects of art making so yeah I, that's, that's what I started to do I did my master's um in art law and business and yeah that that was like last a year ago a year and a bit ago is when I had my first show um and that went really well so this is like my second like big proper show so yeah I'm excited that's a, that's a, that's a bit about me it's not a bad size show to be just your second, is it? Yeah, no, I'm, that's like, I, I was really, really surprised and excited that night. You know, I was one of the people that they called upon for the show. So, wow. I'm grateful for the show, yeah. It's, it's good. I'm excited. And as we're talking, you're on you're on site installing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm currently in the cast, the quietest place at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. There's a lot going on. You're curating a group of artists. Yeah. So which artists are you yeah. showing? So we've got um, Chloe Falani, who is a performance artist and a poet, um, but she's debuting her first like proper sound piece um, nice. as a poet, and like she's done, she's worked with a, a sound artist, so she created this this like, really meaningful piece, which is about fifteen minutes long. Then we've got um, Courtney Welcome, who is an installation artist. Um, she's from Birmingham, um, and her work is kind of like about race and a reaction to like institutional art practice um, and just like her experiences working as an artist in like art school stuff like that um, her work's really really interesting and quite broad as well so she does painting she does sculpture but she kind of builds everything as she fills the space yeah. Into, yeah. into a sculpture into installation then we've got um, Anore who is a um, a digital artist they make 3D printed sculptures through like digital technologies. Um, so we've got a few of their pieces. Uh, we've got Rachel Williams, who is a film and like installation artist. Um, so yeah, she's she's doing a like a, a, a textile hanging um, that's built out of like latex and stuff. Like it's really really cool. Nice. Uh, we've got. God, we've got so many. Holly Jackson, who is a moving image artist and a performance artist, so she'll be performing throughout the opening. And um, she's gonna like edit and like reinterpret it into a moving image piece, which will show throughout the whole show, so people can still see the work if they don't get to see the performance. Um, we've also got Sam Wooten, who he's he's a model, 
Um, but he's been painting for about three years now. He didn't go to art school. I've known him for quite a while. Um, so kind of this is his debut like big show. He's done a few like really small exhibitions around South London, but this is his like first major show. Then we've got Mohammed Adel, who is also a painter. Um, yeah, he studied at CSM. His work is, is really, really great and very fine art, um, like portraiture fine art based. And yourself, so no everyone. doubt. Um, I'm not showing work. Um, I don't practice anymore. But yeah, this show for me um, is kind of like my next, like next steps of my own curatorial practice. So this is like my first proper project that I've been able to curate in a space in exactly how I want it. So I guess that's what I'm, I'm doing. Nice. And is that where you want to go moving forward? Yes, so I'd like to continue like working really closely with artists, but um, I'm currently working with um, Ellie Pennick, who's like the founder of Grass Gallery, on like um, on a business plan to like to kind of build an agency um, which works with artists to support them with like their contracts and and like um, oh, nice. submissions and stuff like Excellent. that, just to support, just to facilitate you know like fair pay and stuff like that, because that's what I've been studying. So yeah, that's that's what I'm working on now. But within that, I would still like to, you know, like host shows and curate. And I also write now a lot as well. I do like a lot of exhibition reviews, so that's kind of where I'm heading. But nice. at the root of it is is like a curatorial practice still. So well, it's nice to have a physical practice under your belt, isn't it? When you yeah. when you're moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, it sounds great. Yeah. What's the what's yeah. the title of your curatorial group that you've got? So the title is uh, it's called Scratching the Surface um, nice. and it's it's the kind of it's the insightful look into portraiture so it's not so much about what we look at people and like kind of judge people on the outside it's kind of like internal dialogues and conversations that the artists are working with so a lot of the work is like it's really uh, a lot of it's really personal to them but it's also a lot of it like when you look at it it's like the images of people that you see or the, or the figuration of certain characters or whatever is a lot about like how they feel and emotions of, of those characters and a lot of them kind of aren't recognizable people or yeah you know it's, it's more about like the emotion and the feeling and who they are at the root of their like their inner person so yeah a lot of the work is like yeah it's, it's, it's different it's different but good it's, it's, it's and a lot of deconstructed stuff and as I've mentioned on a few of these podcasts, it's yeah. an enormous site with several different areas. Whereabouts can we find Scratching the Surface? Yeah, so luckily and really gratefully, we've been placed um, on the point of entrance. So we're in nice. the building as you enter. And when you enter on the left, we've got a little room where Holly will perform, be performing every hour. So it's me and Recreational Grounds in the first bit when everyone comes in. And then, yeah, you go down into the car park and then finally you'll see the warehouse. So we've been put in a really, really good spot. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. And have you got anything coming up after this or is, or is that a bit vacant um, at the moment? I've got my, uh, I'm working on my dissertation right now. So that's kind of priority after the show. Right? That's yeah. And what's, what's your dissertation on? I'm actually looking at business models, like gallery models and how to reform like the, current commercial gallery model in order to provide like fair 
policies for artists and like 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 basically what I want to do. So I'm looking at guts gallery. I'm looking at different galleries and agencies which are working in that way at the moment as supporting artists rather than representing them as a gallery. So they work with them in any way they need support um, and making sure they get paid and like. So that's that's what my dissertation is looking into. So I'm just looking nice. at different models that are currently breaking the kind of status quo of that kind of thing. And there's definitely a gap in the market for that. As you was <laughs> as you were saying, what you was doing, I thought yeah. of Guts Gallery, yeah. because when I saw what they were doing, they they felt yeah. quite fresh and um yeah, just trying yeah. to break away from the norm. Sorry, there's such a gap between an artist trying to get into a gallery. There seems to be such a void in the middle, and it's it's yeah. that void that, that that could be filled for so many fucking artists. Exactly, because the issue is the gap is very intentional for a lot of commercial galleries. Of course, the less information artists know about how things really work, the more they could get bogged off. And as I was an artist, I was running into situations like that's not right. That's not right. All my friends are creative people, and I've worked with magazines. I've worked in all sorts of different creative sectors, and it's all the same weird stuff that's going on. And like, as I, because I worked in galleries from like fifteen uh, to now, yeah. so I've like I have a good understanding of the business side anyway. So when I stepped into being an artist, into being an artist, I thought I knew, I thought it would be all right because I know. But then when you run into situations with 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 certain institutions, you're like. I know what you're doing here, and I, yeah. I don't want to engage in this. Like, and it, yeah. So yeah, you can almost feel that's them putting the barriers up in front of you exactly, as you're talking. Exactly, exactly. So that's why I went to do the masters and actually learn about it properly, Brilliant. detail and like shadow people and do internships and stuff like that, just so I can really like get into the grit of it and then figure out. Excellent. It's much needed. Yeah, because that's, that's literally what I'm about. That's literally what Excellent. I'm about. So. In my show, and I've got some artists of color. I've got, I've got queer artists. I've got trans artists. I've got, uh, I've got artists who didn't go to art school. I'm, I'm trying to facilitate everyone, yeah. Which, which often doesn't happen because the art circles are so small, and like especially in London, and there's a lot of artists who are practicing who didn't go to art school. But I'm not in these circles who don't know how to go about things. So. Yeah, part of my job is to just like kind of bring them into these spaces nice. and show them things and just guide them through basically. So, yeah, good luck. Oh man, it sounds great. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's right up my street, and I wish you all, all the all the best with that. That's for Thank sure. As I say, it's a it's a void that's just waiting for people like yourself, and you'll you'll absorb artists. I'm sure of it once you yeah. get yourself established in that area, because it, yeah. it does feel like the. The upper echelons, I mean, the, the big names will always be at the top. They're, they, they're not going yeah, anywhere. But it's, it's the, the next level or two down. It feels like that they're a little bit scared. After COVID, when all the artists were going, well, like, we don't fucking need you. Yeah. You know, we don't yeah. need you nicking our 50% for doing fuck all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's it. 20% is more than enough for a gallery. To exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I sell with um, with one gallery and they're only online and they still charge 50% yeah. and they've not it's, even it's got any bricks and mortar, you know. I was just going to say, it's online, so what is that 50% going towards? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I'm in no position to sort of make that stance yet because I'm not selling, you know, I've, I haven't got anyone yeah. else selling it. But yeah it's, yeah, it's definitely a thing. When I've sold work for artists doing it 
like a lot of the stuff I do, I do for charities. Yeah. Um, I put on exhibitions oh, for charities, you know. So the yeah. artist does get 50% there, but the other 50%, all of the other 50% goes to the artist. Peshan, I'm there Wednesday. Hopefully I'll bump into you Wednesday or Thursday yeah. if you're still there. Worst yeah, ways, I'm sure we'll cross paths while the show's open between 9th and the 22nd. Peshan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, mate. See you later. Bye-bye. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast, or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Anything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, sad art. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.